0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito
1: com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the first show in our new game preview series here on the Falcoholic podcast. I am Kevin Knight, F Alcoholic Kevin, joined by my co host for these shows. He is Alan Sterk at Alan. Just Sterk now, not underscore. I think I like I, I updated your car, but I don't think I took the underscore out.
0: Oh, yeah. If you could take yeah. out the underscore. You know, yeah. We, that we would have be to big. evolve as we get older. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a bit outdated.
1: Okay, well we got that's one strike. If we get two more, we have to restart the show. So okay. uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. Alan, uh, welcome to the show. I know Alan will be very familiar to everyone who's been with the Falcoholic or Falcons podcast for any amount of time. He was the uh, co-host of a podcast with Aaron Freeman, Fans podcast for basically forever. Uh, Alan, it's been a while since you've been uh, regularly back on the podcast circuit. I know you you've been itching to get back in. so welcome and, and how are you doing today?
0: Thank you. Um, I'm buzzing. I NFL is here and I just for some reason this season particularly has me more amped up than usual. Usually around this time of year I get excited, but I just think there's so much variance in the NFL right now. Like there's about seven, eight teams that win the Super Bowl. And I know the Falcons are not one of those seven, eight teams, but I do feel like there's a lot to be proven with these young players. Like I have, to have a piece, you know, I do we'll do plugs later, but I've been working on Oracle the past few days, breaking out some of the young players that could become potential cornerstones and it's got me excited i'm really looking forward to seeing what this team could prove because i think with the injection of youth it, it kind of gets you a bit amped up and of course it is hate
1: week yes it is hate week folks the falcons do take on the hated division rival new orleans saints in week one of the 22 2022 nfl season We are going to be breaking down all the details of the game because, let's be honest, we never really got to the game preview on the Wednesday shows anyway. So now you guys are going to be getting a full, proper game preview uh, with myself and Alan each and every week that there's a game to preview. uh, Probably going to take the bye week off, you know, just uh, letting you guys know. (laughs) There's no game to preview, nothing to talk about. Please, please, we
0: have to enjoy our bye weeks Yes. That's just a rule. Especially with the extra game now.
1: Yeah, it's sacred. It's sacred. We have to treat it as such. So uh, we are going to get into it. Uh, This is going to be our first attempt at uh, these new game preview shows. I'm sure it'll be absolutely perfect, but, you know, they may evolve over the course of the season. Uh, They will be available, obviously, to those listening on the podcast, on all of our audio feeds. There'll also be a video version available on YouTube for the Falcoholic Live viewers as well. So everyone gets a chance to enjoy. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, So let's get right to it, starting with the injury report. We record this on Thursday uh, evening, afternoon, so we've seen two days of the injury report. Things might change slightly on Friday, but for now, Falcons looking pretty good. Uh, No changes from Wednesday so far as both rookie wide receiver Drake London and uh, reserve cornerback Darren Hall remained limited today. Uh, neither one of those are terribly concerning. Obviously, Arthur Smith is very tight-lipped about the nature of injuries and whether guys will play or not. He's been very non-committal with Drake London in particular. Alan, do you have any concern about the availability for either of these guys?
0: Uh, definitely with London, just because it's been kind of quiet. He didn't play the rest of the preseason after he suffered a knee injury against the Lions. Uh, I just think the fact that the team is not being as vocal about it is a bit concerning. I do ultimately think he will play, but of course, you would hope that you know, he would have made a little bit more progress, but you know, I think we're starting to get the impression with this. I'll still call it a new regime. I know it's year two, but I still feel like it's still kind of new. Arthur Smith, Terry Fonnell. Uh they don't give much information to the public, so uh, I think maybe I have to become accustomed to that. But uh, I would still be a little cautious when it comes to Drake London. And uh, we don't—I don't, don't know—we don't really have much info on Darren Hall, correct?
1: No, not really. I think yeah. it's been—they've been extremely tight-lipped on that. Uh it's I guess quadricep or something like that. Uh the other one that was notable was Parker Hesse. He was excused from Wednesday's practice for personal reasons. Uh good personal reasons, thankfully. Uh congratulations to hesse And uh he returned on Thursday, so no questions about his availability for this weekend. Uh Falcons did play a lot of guys in the preseason, which we were all hoping they would do after last year. Uh and we'll get into more of like the consequences of doing that last year and hopefully Uh, a better start this this year in week one but uh they've also managed to avoid a ton of preseason injuries uh pretty much everywhere except the defensive line where they lost vincent taylor early in camp marlon davidson is on injury reserve now they also had a retirement you know eddie goldman going out so that is one spot where they've really kind of been smacked uh with some unfortunate stuff um but we'll hope that that is uh, the end of it there and we can have a healthy season for everyone um you know, I think, unfortunately, uh, it rarely happens that way, but we're still going to hope for it because injuries are the worst, uh, and we just want everyone to get out there and be able to to, to do their thing and, and mm-hmm. succeed. So, um, let's talk about the Saints report. Uh, Saints had a lot of players missing yesterday, uh, and they still had some players missing today. So, let's take a look. Yesterday, Saints had five players not participating in practice Uh, Wide receiver Traquan Smith, running back Dwayne Washington, starting cornerback Paulson Adebo, and two tackles, uh, Landon Young and Tanner Owen. Uh, Tanner Owen was a personal absence, so not necessarily any long-term concern there. They also had several other starters missing, uh, or, well, limited. Michael Thomas, limited with his hamstring injury. Center Air McCoy. And uh, linebacker Pete Werner, along with safety JT Gray. So we don't have the Saints official report yet. I haven't been able to find it. But I do know that uh, Traquan Smith and Paulson Adebo, probably the two biggest names of the guys that weren't participating on Wednesday, are also out today on Thursday. Um, so that's obviously something to to monitor. Those are both guys that were going to play a lot, Adebo in particular. And I believe the thought is that Michael Thomas is also going to be limited again today. So his status, much like Drake London, still sort of up in the air. What are your thoughts, Alan, on, on those uh, injuries for the Saints, who seem to be coming into this one quite a bit more banged up than the Falcons? Yeah,
0: I think Adebo is far more significant than Trey Smith because given the Chris Olave pick and, of course, Jarvis Lange coming in, I, Trey Smith, I think he's just going to be somewhat of a deep threat. To play 2025 20, snaps a game. He's still someone that should be accounted for given his ability to stretch the field. And we all know Jameis Winston will show zero hesitation throwing the ball deep. But I think Adibo is that's the big one because he kind of came on for the Saints last year, very under the radar, because the Saints have kind of had uh a bit of turmoil when it comes to locking down that number two corner. We obviously we all know about Marshawn Love More He's been a stalwart there for several years, albeit a bit more inconsistent than years past. But Debo, he came on and he's just like this feisty corner. Like He plays uh, t- tight press coverage and he's someone that is not afraid to get physical. So if he can't play, I think Bradley Roby would start and Bradley Roby's decent, but he's kind of like a stopgap option. And he's a bit undersized. And I think that could be beneficial for the Falcons, given, you know, Arthur Smith has pretty much gone all in this offseason on getting big receivers. So. Uh, maybe you could exploit this m- mismatch if Debo doesn't play. I think it would be big if he misses out because Roby's not quite the same player he wants was.
1: Yeah, and on that note, you know, in terms of non-injury report-related losses, but the Saints did just trade away Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the Eagles, Ooh, who is their yeah. slot defender. Mm-hmm. So that also pushes another person up the depth chart. I believe the slot will be P.J. Williams. Who the Falcons have victimized many times? In the oh, past. we remember PJ Williams. Yes. Um, so Ridley that becomes a starter game. for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah no, I, I remember that game. That's a great game. Um, so the secondary suddenly thin for New Orleans, and of course the the situation with Marcus May. I mean, they haven't seemed to indicate that he will not play, but May was arrested just last week, I believe, for threatening a minor, allegedly threatening a minor with yeah. a, a firearm. Um, So that may not be a permanent fixture on their roster this year. We'll see Mm -hmm. how that progresses. Um, But certainly the team uh, weathering a lot of losses in the secondary uh, and rookie offensive tackle Trevor Penning, who was sort of projected to possibly take over left tackle for Teron Armstead, who left, uh, I believe suffered a Liz Frank or some other sort of foot injury, had surgery on that. Will not play this week. Obviously, will not play for the majority of the season. May be back late, um, but that's another big loss that's not on the injury report, but certainly something to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, speaking of the Saints' defense, let's go ahead and go right into uh, the Falcons' offense versus the Saints' defense, and starting with the secondary because we're on that topic now. You know, this is something that used to be the strength of the Saints uh, qu- for quite a while. They had Marcus Williams who departed in free agency. Uh, as one of the best safeties in the NFL, Marshawn Lattimore, despite what we all think about him, a good cornerback one at worst, you know, at times has been an elite cornerback one. Um, and I know Paulson Adebo, uh, despite the fact that he wasn't really well liked by PFF last year, I think he was sort of an up and down player, sort of a boom bust guy. Uh, he was apparently turning heads in camp as like someone who was maybe going to have a second year breakout. So the loss of him, the loss of Troncy Gardner-Johnson, the loss of Marcus Williams this is a very different looking secondary. They did, of course, add Tyron Matthew in the offseason, which is someone that they're hoping will will come in. But Matthew did have a down year by his standards last year as well. And of course, their other starter, like we just said, Marcus May also coming off an injury plague down year. So potentially a group that could be vulnerable to a new look Falcons receiving core. And I talked about all the saints players. So I'll let you talk about the Falcons players here. The, do you think there's some opportunities here for this new look Falcons uh, group of receivers to take advantage of perhaps an undermanned and, and relatively green saint secondary, and that they haven't really had much chance to play together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm intrigued by this Falcons receiving course. I know the all the talk I've seen headlines all week, uh, besides Kyle Pitts, no one scares you, which look is understandable, but I think just, adding a variety of different players. Yes, I'll be a lot of them are big, but I think Zacchaeus has had a strong camp. He was great in the preseason. I think he's ready to come out here and just showcase he's more than a deep threat. Uh, if the Mari Bird or our favorite Jared Birdhardt gets snaps, like they're, they're guys that could create separation. So there's a, you know, we, we, there's a lot of attention has gone towards Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Brian Edwards, but I think the Falcons, they have more than just having, you know, these big body receivers that could make contested catches and, the uh problem problems in the red zone. It's like no, they have actually receivers that, you know, on a third and five could create the those yards of separations on hitches or comebacks and you know get the key first down. So uh I think this is one of the more exciting matchups. It's just it's not being talked about as much just because you know the, the lack of big names. But uh I'm I'm intrigued. And especially I don't know, I think at some point we'll see Kyle Pitts and Kyle- and Honey Badger go at it and you know, I think that's gonna be the big one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that one will be interesting. We're not going to get any chain snatching with uh, CJ, Gar- you know, Chauncey Garner Johnson gone, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. And,
0: and no uh, Russell Gage either because those are the yeah. two that were going at it. I yeah, remember. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so that's going to be very different there. But I agree. Like the Falcons' wide receivers, especially once Calvin Ridley left last year, I mean, it was a disaster. Um, right. You know, Zacchaeus like was fine, but Zacchaeus is like your third receiver, right. like and and him being forced to be your number one, and Tajay Sharp played like way too many snaps and. Um, it was just sort of a disaster out there. Uh, Russell Gage obviously played, I think, extremely well considering the circumstances he exits. But other than Russell Gage, uh, I think everywhere else, like the Falcons have upgraded every other spot in that receiving core pretty pretty entirely. The depth chart from top to bottom is better. You know, we still have to see what we're going to get from Drake London. We just have not really seen a lot. You know, we haven't seen any live game action. We saw the one nice catch in the preseason. Um, but like Brian Edwards better than everyone on last year's receiver depth chart that was playing most of the season, not named Russell Gage, uh, Zacchaeus, you know, hopefully having a better season. Obviously, Drake London's here. Uh, and even the guys behind them, right? Like, Daryl Hodge had a good camp. Uh, Demir Bird, we know what he can do as, as a deep threat and a good route runner. And then Jared Bernhardt was, like, the star of the preseason. So I think every one of those guys you're sort of, like, happy about as opposed to last season's depth chart. Like, I think it's universally better. Is it great yet or, like, good I think the jury's still out. I think if we were to get, like, London hitting as a wide receiver one and Edwards being a good wide receiver two, then I think you could say, like, oh, this is actually a good receiving core, but we just haven't seen it yet.
0: I see you have guys that can be playmakers. Cause last year, is like, Sharp was so limited. The keys had way too much on him. Now it's just like, okay, the onus is off. I think he could get back to just being someone that could play at 25, 30 snaps a game and you know, stretch the field. Meanwhile, you have someone like Edwards, who is a big play threat, big wide receiver that you know could kind of trust him to go up and go get it. Um, you know I, I'm of course every all the attention is gonna be on Drake London just because we want to see you know when you have a top ten pick, someone with his tape it's just like unleash him already. I want to see what he could do, like get him in the middle of the field. They want to see what he can do after the catch. And you know Saints they're notorious for trying to force fumbles, but will that affect their technique? Because if you don't get a clean hit on London he's gonna run through you. So yeah. Uh, I'm 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 excited to see because you know Arthur Smith's gonna get those opportunities. He's gonna run a lot of play action. You know, a lot of it in breaking routes. I just think that's where Drake Line's gonna eat. And if it happens week one, whether it's Marshawn Lab recovering him or maybe Saints play a little more zone, it'll be good to see. But you know, I do wanna take into account, because I don't know if you would agree with this. You think Dennis Allen's the most blitz happy defensive play caller in the league?
1: I mean, he's certainly up there. I'd have to look at his splits last year, but the Saints love to blitz, which I think has always been weird considering that they're like generally their edge pass rush has been pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like their, their rush with four has been good. So it's like, is it really necessary to blitz a lot, but he loves to do it. So I I think that they will. And that's where we could, that's a great segue into our next section, which is the offensive line. Definitely the biggest question mark on the team going into the season. Still a big question mark, although I think we do feel a little bit better coming out of the preseason. Like they didn't really get, they didn't get blasted. Um, They were, they were fine for the most part. Um, They didn't. I don't believe they allowed a sack the first string offensive line. They might have allowed one. I can't remember, but they certainly allowed some pressure. But we were able to see Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter showing off their mobility uh, to to evade the pressure that was allowed. It wasn't anything like catastrophic. Um, The Falcons are going to be returning three starters from last year officially now with uh, Jake Matthews at left tackle had had a good year, not his best year certainly by his standards, but still a good year. Uh, Chris Lindstrom at right guard, who was basically an elite right guard. And I feel like he doesn't get the respect he deserves, but, uh, very, very good run and pass blocker. And then Caleb McGarry at right tackle, who of course we all know extremely up and down player, but had a good preseason. Um, and then two new starters, Drew Dahlman was officially named the starting center, which is pretty newsworthy over incumbent Matt Hennessey. And then at left guard, Elijah Wilkinson playing a new position for him. Uh, and was also pretty solid, especially when you compare him to last year's starter in Jalen Mayfield. So what do you think about the Falcons' offensive line? Do you think they have any chance against the Saints' defensive line, which for years now seems to have really uh, been a, a constant thorn in Atlanta's side?
0: I do think the Saints' defense line looks a little more undermanned than in past years. Like I felt that in past years they had more options. Like you look at it now, it's they haven't really added anyone new. It's like kind of the same players. Now, Grando's players are still good. I think even though he hasn't quite lived up to his first-round status, partially because of that ridiculous trade. But Marcus Davenport's always a threat. We know about Cam Jordan. And Deion Mata tends to have his best games against the Falcons. Every time I see him against Falcons, he has like one-and-a-half sacks, like five pressures. I don't know why it happens. But, hey, this time you have to at least have some options on Elijah Wilkins that could at least keep him at bay. But uh, I think, look, as we all know, the big matchup's going to be McGarry against Cam Jordan. Because Cam Jordan, even though he is moved around quite a bit on the defense line, he does primarily line up as a left-sided edge rusher. So yeah. uh, whether how much the Falcons' ship will be, send the monitor. Uh, but, look, I, as much as we could talk about the Saints front forward, we know Dennis Allen, to me, it's him and Todd Bowles as like the most blitz-heavy heavy defensive play callers. And, you know, how they utilize the Mario Davis is huge. Like, he's someone that he'll come on delays double a gaps like he's someone that can absolutely wreck a game so you know as much as we talk about this being in the trenches which it is absolutely you know i do think there is more than maybe in your standard preview for games you have to take account for the saints linebackers and dennis allen's play.
1: yeah absolutely because they're extremely like you mentioned it they're extremely thin on the interior like they do have good starters you know i think shy tuttle's a little bit underrated he's Mm -hmm. he's a he's a solid starter uh, David Anyamada is very good when he's healthy. He hasn't really been able to stay healthy recently, but he's healthy this week, uh, so we got we got to be aware of that. But like behind them, and this is a consequence of the cap manipulation. Like yes, they were they still have most of their starters, but the depth behind them is basically gone. They're 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 basically relying on uh, Contavious Street, Tano Passigno, uh, Passigno uh, Carl Granderson you know, just these are the guys. Audience. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't have, like before it was like they had Malcolm Brown back there and they had Sheldon Rankins back there. And they, they've slowly bled all of these guys over the years. Soca
0: was another one too, that yep. they got a couple of yep. good years out of. So they, yeah. you, they used to always go like seven, eight deep now, just like they could do that, but it's just guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like outside of Jordan Davenport, you know, like you mentioned Tuttle and then take what you get with Amin Like after that, it's, you know, they're, I guess they're hoping for someone to break up, but like you said, this is the consequences of uh that New Orleans States uh, yearly off season spending spree.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean you look at the stars and you're like, oh, this team's still really good. The cap uh-huh. didn't hurt them at all. But where it's hurt them is they can't afford any good depth players anymore. They have right. to start doing what the Falcons are doing, and it's like, okay, we're gonna raid the waiver we're gonna raid the waiver wire and the and the, you know, bargain bin to try to find contributors and mm-hmm. um, we'll see if those guys work out or not. Uh, but And
0: yeah. oh I mentioned they're also getting older. They're best yeah, players. Yeah. You look at Cameron Jordan, DeMar Davis, they're what, 33, 30, 34 years old. And yeah, great that with Cam Jordan. I saw a couple of days ago he had 13 sacks last year, but he only had 42 pressures.
1: Yeah, that's so, low for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was kind of like he was efficient, but then again, he wasn't generating the same amount of pressure. And uh, I don't think that's sustainable because, as look as we know, if you follow PFF and you've watched the Falcons and Uh, insert Vic Beasley like it just seeing a low pressure amount but high sacks we know is not sustainable so I wonder if Cam Jordan's on a decline a bit
1: Uh, yeah yeah. could be yeah
0: because he's look man he's been doing this since 2011
1: (laughs) yes as we well know he sacked Matt Ryan more than any other player in the NFL uh will not be sad when he retires certainly uh but yeah it's it is interesting um you know we'll see this is the this is a very very difficult test for the Falcons offensive Mm -hmm. line uh, in week one. And the other side of that coin is... Oh, yeah. Did you have something else? Go ahead.
0: Oh, uh, I just wanted to ask you, Uh, have you gotten into like the decision to start Dalman over Hennessy? Did you agree with we that? We talked
1: about it, but yeah. I mean, yeah. we I haven't talked about it with you. So mm-hmm. we can... I mean, it's, that's certainly noteworthy Um, mm-hmm. enough to cover. So, yeah. I mean, to me, like I didn't see a ton of difference between them, both in the preseason and in camp. I think they both looked fine. Um, To me, it's probably like this regime drafted Dalman, this regime has Dalman at a cheaper salary because he's a fourth-round pick instead of a third-round pick, and they have him under contract on his rookie deal for one more season. So all things being equal, those things, I think, sort of push them more towards Dalman, who this regime actually chose. Um, and I mentioned it on last night's show, like—well, uh, Wednesday's show, because you guys are getting this on Friday—that, um, like, of the top 15 centers, I think according to PFF or one other site, um, another site that was writing it up, like— more than half were day three picks or undrafted players. Like the center position is one that you can find really good players late. They often take a few years to hit. They don't usually come in and just light the league on fire unless they're Creed Humphrey. And, you know, you were calling for Creed Humphrey for all the entire offseason. They didn't select Creed Humphrey. But, I mean, I'm over that definitely by now. But, uh... yeah, (laughs) it's not all pro. Yeah. You know, and uh, I—I'll just say, you know, there were there were definitely uh, people in the the Falcons that were high on Creed Humphrey as well. So, uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of players they liked. There's a lot of players right. they liked. So
0: the crazy thing is, both Dolman and Hennessy were kind of draft darlings, like Brandon Thorne, who everyone respects for his offensive line inside. He he highly rated both centers. So, hasn't quite worked with Hennessy. Uh, hopefully, it works out with Dolman. because I just think the big issue with Hennessy just. Last year, there were a lot of issues communication wise, and he just seemed that position, particularly when teams ran twists, it just seemed like someone always had that free space going to the A gap and or Matt Ryan got crushed and man, you cannot have communication issues against the Saints.
1: No, and you have to wonder, like that's not something you see on tape. Like you don't know did the center get the right call or did someone whiff? Like Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to know that just from watching film. You know, you're not hearing the calls. You don't know what sure. the protection was supposed to be. So it's really hard for us to evaluate, but that could easily have been why uh, that happened. Like why Dahlman was picked, even though on the field they looked pretty similar. It might be that, look, Dahlman maybe is a better communicator or is a little bit further ahead in terms of the mental game. Um, maybe You know, it could be that. It could be that he's more comfortable making those calls and is better at that. You know, he he has the NFL pedigree, um, I believe, He's the yeah, son of a former 49ers player, Chris Dahlman. Um, and, you know, not to, you know, get all power five versus group of five, but Dahlman was at Stanford, probably had a little bit more advanced coaching help as opposed to Matt Hennessy who was at Temple. Um, you know, Temple's a fine program, not trying to throw shade at Temple or anything, but uh, Stanford's going to have a lot more resources um, as a bigger private school than temple and it's possible that dolman had more advanced you know technical help but at the at the same time Hennessy has another year in the NFL so you'd think that that advantage would have been sort of canceled out but i am interested in, in seeing cuz they're going to get a a baptism by fire in terms of the blitzing as you mentioned like with right. Dennis Allen out there so yeah.
0: of force too Hennessy i think he played like his rookie year left guard half the time like i yeah. remember he got reps there so um uh, i just thing to know but yeah like saints rams you're dumb they'll be ready
1: (laughs) yeah it's uh they're not going to get a break to start this to start this off certainly not um and then we come to the 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 basically the constant strength of the new orleans defense which is their run defense it's generally been number one or number two in terms of yards per carry and overall yardage allowed the falcons are are really trying to re sort of make themselves into a more balanced offense. We know that's what Arthur Smith wants to do take some of the pressure off the quarterback and off the pass protection, to be honest. Um, But the Falcons have to contend with a really, really stout run defense. Uh, The depth on the interior isn't there for the Saints like it has been in the past. They may, this may be a situation where they start really strong against the run, but maybe the Falcons should keep up the assault because they don't have the guys to rotate in the middle to keep them fresh. Um, they do still have terrific linebackers in both DeMario Davis and Pete Werner, who was an excellent addition for the Saints last year. Um, I think they have a new starter at the Sam spot, Caden Ellis, who I'm not super familiar with, but he's you a new it. face there. Um, but the Falcons also have some new pieces. Obviously, Cordero Patterson, probably going to be the nominal starter. Uh, Tyler Algier, the rookie at running back. And, of course, Damian Williams as well. Uh, what do you think about the chances for the Falcons? In, in in combination with Marcus Mariota and his ability to run the football, uh, how do you like the Falcons' chances of, of being able to move the ball on the ground? Uh, not particularly
0: high. I just hope <laughs> they're a little bit more persistent with it because I do think there were times last year, as much as Arthur Smith preaches about running the ball, they kind of abandoned it. I do think, given Cordell Patterson's playmaking ability and Tyler Allager's ability to run through contact, although we got to see if it fully translates to the pros, but I was very encouraged what he showed in preseason, I think they have to be committed to it in a way, like, where it just – even if they go down two scores and say it's their quarter, like, don't fully abandon it because you don't want that sound to start styling <laughs> blitzes every down. And, we know, Mario's tendency to struggle against pressure. So uh, I would like to see at least – you know, Patterson's going to get the – not bulk of the carries, but you obviously know he's going to get at least 10 to 15 touches. But you know, just uh, keep diversifying and probably – I could see them going more towards outside than inside. Like, I could see a bunch of stretch plays. I think that was kind of like Patterson's bread and butter last year. Mm-hmm. So try to try to stretch the team's defense out, even though, like you said, they have outstanding linebackers. Like to me, tomorrow, tomorrow Davis is like one of the most savvy players. Yeah. In the league. Yeah. He just always seems to be on point. So uh, they, they have a it's, – it's, it's a tall order. but It is. Uh, you don't want to become one-dimensional.
1: No, that's going to be the the end uh, if they force you into that. And that will certainly be their game plan to shut down the run and play a lot of man, which they have done really well in the past. But with the presence of a quarterback like Marcus Mariota, I do wonder if, that, if they have to abandon man coverage if Mariota rips a couple runs off here and there um you know despite how good their linebackers are uh they're not used to covering that aspect of the Falcons they've they've mentioned in press conferences that that's something they're going to prepare for and I'm sure they will but it's one thing to prepare prepare for it but you have very little tape on it so it, it's it's in a real game situation you know I, I expect the, the Falcons to really stress them with that aspect of their their offense that they really haven't had a chance to deploy before um so I'm interested to see how that goes um and also of course Mario to just seeing how he plays in general over a course of a full game in, in, limited action. He's looked excellent. Just like everything you've wanted to see in the preseason. You saw like he was sharp. He used his legs. Well, uh, he avoided contact, you know, later in the preseason <laughs> early on, he was a little, a little aggressive. Uh, yeah, that,
0: that, that Detroit game had people, yeah. uh, a whole breath a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he, he looked like he got calmed down a little bit after that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, do feel better about this matchup going into it with the changes on the offensive line, you know, Elijah Wilkinson being in there instead of Jalen Mayfield and drew Dallman, you know, he didn't play last night, but he did score 78.3 according to PFF. So, Hey, that, that gives him a bright green dot on the lineup. So, Hey, you know, we're just going to pretend that that's his true ranking. And, uh, we'll just hope that that carries over into the the whole season. So, uh, anything else you want to say about the Falcons offense versus saints defense before we move to the other side of the ball?
0: I think I think we did a full breakdown. I'm just wondering when it comes to the Saints defense. Like, obviously, Dan Allen's the head coach now. Like, I don't know if it really matters who their D coordinators. Like, I saw Chris Richard's on their coaching staff, which was a good oh, class yeah. in the past. But uh, I assume, look, Dan sounds going to be a forefront end. Like, yeah. he's one of the best defensive play callers in the league. Uh, this is a matchup where it's like, you know, Falcons brought Arthur Smith for these types of games. Like, all right, Smith, you could see yourself to be one of the best offensive play callers. Let's see what you got.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we need to see more than we saw last year because that play calling was just, it looked like limited. I mean, it's hard to quantify that, but we saw Smith just like deploying these, just these plays that were so creative in Tennessee um and it, that's after he'd been there for like he'd been in the organization for like five or six years he's been on the exactly. corner for multiple years he was comfortable there with his personnel with everything going on and it was probably unreasonable to expect that like out of the gate with a completely new roster and staff around him i hope that we see like year two much like kyle shanahan in atlanta that okay now the playbook is here it's installed uh He's more comfortable, more willing to dig into those interesting plays, those those good play designs, and we get to see a little bit more of that creativity this year. Um, because that, I think, was one of the factors in them being quite poor in the red zone, despite the presence of Arthur Smith, who in his two years previously as offensive coordinator was number one both years, and it wasn't particularly close to the next team on the list. So uh Because if the Falcons are are close to the top in red zone efficiency, they don't got to get down there that many times to be a high scoring offense. Um, Like if they're scoring 75% of the time they're down there, like Smith was doing in Tennessee can overcome, you know, a lack of overall yardage. So
0: exactly. I think they were 23rd last year. Yeah. um, Which obviously not good enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hope for the best there. Moving over to the other side of the ball. The Falcons do have uh, quite a few new starters. Um, You know, starting with the second—well, we'll we'll keep it with the same flow, because I thought that worked well. You know, the Falcons Mm -hmm. have a new starter opposite A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward Jr., who was one of the best uh, corners in the NFL last year, according to PFF. He was 12th on their list overall. Um, Didn't look, like, outstanding in the preseason, but again, like, they only played a handful of snaps with the starters. It's not really something— that I would read too much into in camp. He looked good. I mean, he got poster by Drake London on that, like, one, one-on-one play with absolutely no safety help. And, you know, again, wouldn't draw too much from that. But certainly an upgrade over Fabian Moreau, you would think, uh, opposite Terrell. And we know who AJ Terrell is. He's great. Um, and just hoping that he can, even if he replicates 90% of what he was last year, he'll be an elite corner. So um, those two, very exciting. The big question is sort of at nickel at the slot defender position because Isaiah Oliver is going to start the season on IR. So who do you see getting the start there? Do you think it will be someone like D Alford who had the best camp in preseason, or are they going to go to like a veteran like Mike Ford, or Darren Hall, even
0: we spoke about how these preseason games were going to have some influence on how the team is going to run least snaps wise. And I think this is the prime example. Like I mean, D Alford was a clear standout uh, through the course of course, those three games. And, Mike Ford, are really struggling in particular against Detroit it just didn't seem like it was that fluid and it's. Darren Hall, we all know his stats, but I thought Darren Hall showed flashes in the slot as well, it just seems like we got you got to pick someone because it's pretty clear Terrell and Hayward are the outside corners, I don't think Terrell has much experience going in the slot. And at 32 years old at his size, I don't think Hayward has the ability to necessarily go inside the slot, it has to be an ideal fit and I think. Just based on yeah. tape? He's like,
1: played it, but oh, he played it, it okay. a lot. He had Hayward's oh, he played did. it a lot. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, but not recently, I think. I think it was quite a few years ago. He's been he was an outside guy with the Raiders almost almost. Right. All the Maybe time. those back in the Green Bay yeah. days, which yeah. is about six, seven years ago. So that's yeah, why yeah, it ago. yeah, it was a while
0: ago. Yeah. But I, it definitely was a lot of creams because look, we know Jarvis Landry's expertise in the slot, Michael Thomas if healthy you know, what he could do in the slot. So it's, it's going to be – they're going to get pressed, whoever starts. You know, I I think maybe offer you give him the shot, Darren Hall, is not healthy just because I don't think Mike Ford showed much in preseason. That would no. get you – that would get you, you know, make you feel encouraged. But uh, I think Darren Hall would get the start there just based on, you know, he actually played a lot of snaps, I believe, the last five games last yeah, season. Yeah. So if he's healthy, I do think he gets a nod. But it wouldn't surprise me to see offer get some snaps there just because – it was a huge standout preseason
1: yeah i that's the most interesting question mark i think um and we haven't heard anything at practice about it so i'm sure they're not tipping their hand as to who it will be mm-hmm. um i think i i'm hoping it'll be d i think he's earned it um but again like darren hall did play it a lot last year we didn't see him play it like at all in the preseason really. So to me, it's like, I think they're trying to make him more of their outside reserve yeah. guy, but
0: he was a little banged up too in the preseason. Yeah, he was
1: a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So it, it could be that, but yeah, I just don't want it to be Mike Ford. Like I, I Mike Ford, he's a, he's your core special teamer. And like, if he has to come on the field at corner, you're not really expecting a lot. So I would hate if we go into it with like Mike, like you're the starter, like, let's not like go into that. Like, I, I think Alfred has, has potential to be an actual good slot starter he's done it at a professional level a lot, even if it hasn't been the NFL. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, dunk on the CFL and they're like, oh, it's not the NFL. And like, you're right, but how many bad NFL players think they can just go to the CFL and, and have success and just don't, like they have no success at all. So it's, it's not quite the NFL, but it's probably better than you think. And Alford was maybe the best corner in all the CFL. Uh, so and, and
0: let's not pretend CFL hasn't produced talent.
1: Yes, it has. Uh, and Fontenot apparently is a big fan of getting talent from the CFL. He had a hand in a lot of the CFL players the Saints have tried out and had success with over the years. So um, I think you go with that. You see what happens. Um, give him a chance until Oliver comes back and, and see how it goes. But I wouldn't be shocked as it was Darren Hall. Darren Hall was, was okay yep. last year um, as a rookie. So hopefully there's better yep. play there.
0: But similar to Drew Dahlman, they're getting thrown the so far. Like, even though I know Winston we'll talk about board, not necessarily the type to throw short to intermediate. I just think given the Saints receiving corps, it's like, it's there. Like they yeah. have talent in the slot, but like, this isn't going to be a case of last year where they have no receivers and like they're yeah. throwing the ball, Marquez Calloway eight, <laughs> to 10 times a game. Now it's just like, no, they, they look pretty loaded there. It's just a matter of how is it going to fit with the new offense play, uh play calling. And of course, James Winston.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned it, a lot of new faces in the receiving core for the Saints. Michael Thomas, maybe going to be back. We'll see. Certainly seems like he will be limited mm-hmm. uh, in some capacity, which seems to be pretty on brand for Michael Thomas at this point, unfortunately. Um, Chris Olave, the rookie, a lot of hype. Um, deep threat, really good route runner. Um, my wide receiver two in the draft, I believe behind Drake London guy. I really enjoyed. Uh, and then Jarvis Landry coming over to play the slot. Landry's slowing down a little bit. You know, he's going into his age 30. Well, he'll be 30 during the season. I think he's not 30 yet. Um, clearly has, has stuff left in the tank, but he's not really the number one target in an offense anymore, but definitely a huge upgrade over what they had last year. The weapons looking more formidable. Certainly. Um, I'm interested to see if they like even feature a tight end as a receiver this year. I know, Adam Troutman is there, but he's basically never amounted to, to what they were hoping for as a receiver. As a blocker, he's been better. And then they signed, I think, Juwan Johnson from the uh maybe the was the 49ers, and he they converted him to tight end. Yeah, he um, showed flashes last year. I think he had
0: Like yeah. three touchdowns. So.
1: Yeah. Definitely like a big possession receiver that they're they're trying to convert to tight end. So there maybe mm-hmm. there could be something there. Um what do you think about the Saints weapons and how they match up with the Falcons secondary?
0: I think I'm much more curious about how they're going to mess with Jameis. Like I mentioned before, <laughs> just because yeah, yeah. it's just, you have two receivers and Thompson Lange that are such clear possession receivers that we know they don't stretch the field. And you have a quarterback who, and shout out to Mike grant he said it best. Like Jameis Winston has never seen a throw down the seam he couldn't make. It could be triple coverage. Like Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins, who would definitely want to mention, like yeah. they, could be, they could have fine coverage and Jameis Winston still might throw the ball. There yep. and look, maybe he's matured over the past years and uh, obviously, you know, learned from his mistakes. But it's just you watch James Winston, and it's just like, all right, he doesn't have Sean Payne anymore to scheme up those high percentage looks. You know, how's it gonna look like with Pete Carmichael and I, how's it gonna fit with this offense? Because last year he could just throw it to whoever because there was no receivers, it's just like, <laughs> just get these guys the ball now. It's just like you have clear players with, you know, let's be blunt, pretty big egos between Thompson and Landry, they expect to be targeted and then. And you have obviously Olave, but it's just like I wonder how much of a how much of a conflict is it going to be, or they're going to mesh well. And with, with the DMPs, he plays a lot of cover too, and I didn't think it was necessarily a good fit last year. I wonder if he's going to reduce it given the problems they had cost last year because besides like aj terrell making a ridiculous pass breakup i just feel like the falcons allowed so many big plays when playing cover two last year yeah.
1: they didn't allow any 40 plus yard plays though all season so, I, yeah. somehow
0: you, you have to take those <laughs> small victors
1: somehow know, like some teams allowed games. like 20 and the falcons yeah. did like nothing uh allowed none all year which is just an insane stat to me uh-huh. considering everything you mentioned yeah. but yeah, you know, Dean Pease is going to play a lot of split coverage, uh, split safeties. He's going to rotate. Um, and really, I think he would like to play cover, two against the Saints. Like, this is a team that's going to try to attack you deep. Uh, they're going to try to throw the ball downfield with James Winston. Um the the Falcons new safety duo is going to have a lot to do with that. Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins, can they make the Saints pay for some of Winston's I can make that throw mistakes, you know, like uh because sometimes he will make the throw and a lot of times he won't. Uh that was sort of the story of his uh career in in Tampa Bay. Um you know, you live by the Winston you die by the Winston. That's sort of their ethos. Um I I wonder if That's it right. will go back to more of that now without without Sean Payton calling the shots like can Pete Carmichael keep Winston's uh you know urges for throwing the football downfield not talking about anything else folks uh in check uh and I you know I don't know we haven't really seen much of Hawk Hawkins and Grant together we will be seeing that they are the starters um so I'm curious to, to see how that goes um the other aspect, of course, is the Falcons' pass rush, which, as we all know, was absolutely putrid uh, last year. <laughs> um, 18 sacks, of which, of course, T.J. Watt himself had far more. Um, the good news is the Saints' offensive line nowhere near the dominant force it once was, Uh James Hurst, who's their swing tackle uh, and who's going to be their starter now with Trevor Penning's sideline, not a bad swing tackle, very solid swing tackle, uh, certainly capable of playing left tackle. He's not going to be a giant liability there, but the interior of that line that's just littered with first-round picks, not nearly as good as expected last year or in recent years. Uh, Andres Pete, who they're paying an obscene amount of money to, uh, graded out as a below, well below average starter last year. Eric McCoy, just barely average at center. And then Cesar Ruiz, another first-round pick, also a below-average starter. Obviously, Ryan Ramchick at right tackle is elite. He's one of the best right tackles in the game. But it seems like that interior is the, the place to attack. Alan, do the Falcons have the personnel to do anything about that, other than, of course, the man himself, Great Jarrett? Ah, oh, man.
0: I'm just wondering how they're going to utilize the new edge rushers, because that's what everyone has their eyes on. From you know, Ciccar, D-Day, and, uh, Car- and uh, Malone. I do think D'Angelo Jones, they're going to bring him along slowly. I can't see him playing more than 20 snaps, but you know, still make a difference with that. And, you know, I do think Hurst can be exploited. I just want to see, I just want to see DMPs crank up the blitzes. Like, I, I don't know if he was kind of held back last year just because he didn't trust Deion Jones. And just given that defense, as he said, what do you say? Was it 60 or 70% he called? <laughs> I think was it was like
1: 60% or like, it right. was, it was like right around the middle. Yeah. So,
0: I just, man, you watch old DEPs, defenses, they get after it. I'm just wondering, given this matchup, given the way Winston throws the ball, just like, can they at least crank it up a little bit? Do you have belief in the linebackers? You, you know, he is accustomed to having Rashawn Evans, so could that make a difference? Because uh, I just still think the Falcons are going to be a little bit dependent when it comes to getting creative. Because yeah. I just, yeah. when it comes to a front four, just like I I don't think they quite have the personnel yet. but. You know, it is a lot... I would say there's a lot more optimism this year compared to last year, where it just seemed like they didn't do anything. Now, it's just like, okay, the runs of Cards had two pretty solid seasons with the Giants. Yeah. Um, and then the draft picks, both, have you watch them on tape, you know, between violent hand usage, explosive first step, it's just like, okay, these guys have got some talent. Like, they, they could bring it. It's not just going to be like, all right, we're just hoping to prank. Steven
1: like, Means, let's go. Yeah,
0: yeah well, <laughs> I, I try to refrain from that. But, uh, yeah, I
1: try to refrain, yeah. Yeah,
0: but uh, I think... You know, if you want to get to that, just man, what's the interior personnel going to look like? Because you know, we talk about the Saints looking light, the Falcons look even lighter.
1: <laughs> it's just all unproven, guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Grady Jarrett, obviously, like, we're going to be depending on Grady Jarrett so much. He's going to be soaking up as much attention as he can handle. So it's really going to come down to, like, Anthony Rush. Like, Anthony Rush has to demand start demanding double teams. Like, this man is 6'5", 350 with huge arms and all this stuff. Like, he needs to start demanding double teams or making plays, uh, particularly against the run, so that he can free up Jarrett to go do what he does best. If he can't do that, it's going to be a long season for the run defense. Like, and I love Anthony Rush. you friend of the show, Anthony Rush. Yes. Um, like... I think he can. I think he can do it. I think the team has shown an enormous amount of faith in him. Like when Eddie Goldman retired, they did not run out and sign another nose tackle. They were like, okay, Rush, it's your show. Let's go. Um, we do have a young nose tackle behind him and Timmy Horn, who I think had some flashes in the preseason. So there's a little bit of depth to rotate there. I think nose tackle, they'll be fine. I don't know that Rush is going to be like a Jordan Davis level player, you know, for them. No one will because Jordan Davis is an alien. But um, I think at two of those spots, like you're you're okay. Like Rush, you're okay. Gray Jarrett obviously is great. Um, Taequann Graham is sort of like the the wild card. Like they've put an enormous amount of faith in Taquan Graham. He's a starter for them. We didn't really get to see him a lot in the preseason because they treated him like a starter. Didn't play him a lot. He um, did they show seem- flashes, though. Yeah, I yeah, he yeah, gets exactly. the Lions and Jets. Yep. Yeah. So, like, we're terrified of this group because all we've all we've seen in regular season from Take One, Graham is like some flashes late in the season, but generally a rotational guy. He's now a starter that could be good if he if he hits and he, he sh- if he translates what he showed in the preseason this year to the regular season. Maybe it's like, oh, actually, the interior is fine. You know, Take One, Graham is a good starter. We just don't know. And then the guys behind them are sort of just like, oh, we got Mac Dickerson off waivers and we have, you know, undrafted free agent Timmy Horn. Don't really know what to expect from those guys. Um, So a lot of question marks there at at the edge position. It has to be better than last year, but just how much better? Like Lorenzo Carter, I think, is going to be a really good piece for them. He can do everything. He's maybe the best like coverage edge, which is a weird niche for him, but he is like an elite coverage edge edge like he can cover mm-hmm. tight ends down the seam and stuff like that so that's a little wrinkle they can throw in um but yeah what do you think about that
0: also definitely need him to contribute on screens because <laughs> yeah yeah we haven't spoken about alvin kamara yet but he's yeah yeah he's one of the most terrifying players in space and the saints just year in year always tend to just wreck the falcons on screens so that's just yeah. one of the things i've become accustomed to seeing when it comes to this rivalry just like the saints dial up the screen if it doesn't go for six yards i consider that a win
1: Yes. We could just keep it under three yards of play. That's yeah. how we, that's how we win. Um, yeah. but then, you know, I think Carter's going to be fine. He's probably going to play the most snaps of like any defensive lineman. I think they're going to treat him like a linebacker, try to give him as many, like almost hundred percent of the snaps if he can take them. Um, and then we've got, uh, Gandiji, who's probably going to be their like primary run stuffing. Uh, pass rusher, like edge guy. And then we, of course, we've got Arnold Evacady. We've got D'Angelo Malone, the other rookie, and then Quentin Bell who flashed in the preseason, especially on special teams. Um, who do you think is going to end up playing the most snaps opposite Carter? Do you think it will be Ogundigi? Um And it might just be a, a factor of the Saints maybe playing more like running snaps, but what do you, who do you think is actually going to end up being the quote unquote starter next to Carter?
0: Yeah, I think your spawn when it comes to the pace of the game, because that's what I was considering because you know, for all the receiving town and you know, we talk about how much James Woodson throws the that field. He has a big arm. I, I could easily see the Saints running ball 25, 30 times. Yeah. Because you know, still got Mark Ingram on the roster who could, you know, spell for like five, seven carries. And yeah, I do think it's probably going to be Carter and Ogundegi, even though, uh, depending on the pace of the game, I think it's going to ultimately determine. But I could see the Falcons playing more base than usual given the Saints personnel. And I do think Given that it's Winston's first game in almost a year, I think they're going to bring him along slowly.
1: Yeah. Well, during the show, speaking of the Saints' offensive line, uh, center Eric McCoy has just agreed to a long-term extension worth over $63.75 million. uh,
0: Woof! Saints like paying their interior linemen, I guess.
1: Well, hopefully, I think they're hoping it's not just like Andrew Pete's contract, where he's yeah. basically been awful ever since he signed it. McCoy that, had a really good rookie year, to yeah. be fair, but the yeah, last year did. was not good. Yeah. He,
0: he, no, Pete's been colossally bad. Like, yeah. like, you, like, you, like you, like you watch certain guards, and of course, Falcons know about the left guards. We know about that. Uh, <laughs> you can spot a liability, and he is definitely a liability. Yeah. Um, so. the one thing I definitely wanted to talk about because it was just announced today is the decision from DMPs. give michael walker the green dot what were your thoughts on
1: that yeah it's sort of surprising right you think he might have leaned towards giving it to someone like rashawn evans who he knows who he knows knows the scheme for multiple years in the system but i think they really are trying to sort of show michael walker that they have a ton of faith in him that they want him to be the face of that defense whereas i think they want rashawn rashawn evans may be more of a rotational guy uh, as the season goes on, because we all know his liabilities in coverage. He can't do it. Like he just straight up can't do it. Like if, if he's out there on third down, he's blitzing <laughs> like, um, and well, that's fine. Thumper. Yeah, that that's fine. Like they needed a thumper after last year. They just really didn't have one. Um, and Evans is a really good blitzer. That's why he's here. Um, that's why he's going to play a ton of snaps because they need guys to rush the passer from the linebacking core because they're going to need help. And we, we already talked about that, but yeah, Michael Walker, I think it's really interesting. I hope that he takes this opportunity and runs with it because he he's been very patient and I think he deserves it. So,
0: right, I, yeah, I think he was underutilized last year. He probably should have received more snaps. Uh, he's one of the players I'm most fascinated by because I think similar to Foil Lucon, like those, even though they're definitely different players. Like those first two years, I thought Lucon definitely in 2019 should have played more. I think Walker should have played more last year. So now it's yeah. like that third year. Can he make that leap? And the coaching step is putting him in the position to become a leader. Now it's just like, can he take those spurts and put them into sustainable, consistent, high level play? You know, that's a big question because I think he has a ton of ability and coverage. We see him flash there. Just now it's like, how are you going to take on blocks? How are you going to take on a Saints team that notoriously runs on the Falcons? Yeah. Yeah. I think just handling that that three down grind is going to be something that I'm watching for him. You know, the Falcons got depth at linebacker, and Mm -hmm. I do think they will utilize a variety of different bodies, you know. I think if they give Walker the green dot, kind of shows their trust. Like, okay, you're probably gonna play three downs, and I'm gonna call it the field if like you're a guest or yeah. uh, you know, maybe certain uh, situations on the, in the red zone.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know Nick Kukowski came back to the roster after being shuffled around with some of the you know IR moves they were making. Um, I suspect he'll be the guy that rotates in on third down for Evans if they want to go to more of a coverage look. Early in the season and then hopefully at some point we'll get to see Troy Anderson out there whenever he's ready. Um, just because I just like late in the season, if they're out of it, I just want to see Troy Anderson like flying around. Like out yeah. of it, I don't care. Like
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, that was the highlight of the Jets game. that second yeah. half. He was just flying. You know, yeah. there's times where the flying led to him be on the turf and missing yep. tackles, but it was just it was he, fun. He could cover space, yeah. And yeah. just like <laughs> look at, the, at this point in the season, if you're say four and ten, it's like, yeah, experiment a bit, and you invested the second round pick. So that experience
1: yeah i I think the key to this for the falcons and this will be our sort of transition into our predictions and sort of our Mm -hmm. keys here like i think they have to stop the run i think that's going to be the number one thing like if they can't limit the saints run game it's going to be bad like it's going to be they're going to be giving up these 15 play drives um and they're going to have to go away from that split safety that they want to play and go to more cover one and stuff like that to try to limit the run Mm -hmm. um so they have to find a way to stop uh, the the Saints run game consistently to force them to throw it because you want to force them into your strength, which is your secondary or at least we hope it will be again this year. Um, because the pass rush probably isn't going to be doing like, hopefully they'll be limiting like you from having five seconds in the pocket. Like, I don't think they're going to be forcing quick throws or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I think they should hopefully be able to limit like, Oh, you'll be able to sit back there for like 20 seconds. Like they were last year. But I think like if they can shut the run down or at least keep it in check, um that will be key to them on defense but what, what are your thoughts there
0: exactly you don't want the Saints to start reeling off five seven yard runs because especially on the outside because one thing with Kamara he's one of the most patient running runners in the league he's very astute when it comes to just waiting for the blocks to develop and then if he has to do a little quick hurdle or a spin move like you know, don't be fooled by his size he is very difficult to bring down and I do think he's coming to the season with chip on his shoulder given that last year I think people kind of forgot about him a bit so uh definitely got to monitor that and just off the feel like we say all the time but off the feel on third down i thought the Falcons' third on defense was pretty atrocious last year and <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. with dmp's being more aggressive and you know just the secondary being better like i i'm really excited to see these safeties because i think one of the most frustrating things about the Falcons' defense last year was just the lack of range like yeah we yeah. talk about eric harris just not being able to cover the ground yeah. that was needed mm-hmm. and on arm and looking like you lost the stuff now it's like you're going the full youth route and yep. yeah be some coverage busts and some blunders but you have two guys hopefully that can cover space and force some turnovers
1: yeah i think so and i think the same can be said for d alford right like mm-hmm. these young guys hungry rangy ball hawks uh and it's like look it's always a trade-off like last year they went with the veterans they were hoping for fewer coverage busts but maybe not as much playmaking and like in some ways it did work right like they didn't allow a single 40 yard play because these safeties were pretty much always where they were supposed to be they didn't really allow it right but it's like that they accomplished what they wanted with that it just didn't stop you know the team from giving up you know touchdown drives but it did stop them from giving up massive plays ever apparently um this year they're probably going to give up some forty yard plays, but if they could get if they could trade a few forty yard plays for like five or six more interceptions, they would do it in a heartbeat because that could be the difference between winning three games and winning six games those five or six turnovers so um you know I think that will be key as well on the offensive side. what do you think is the key for the falcons to to come away victorious here ooh
0: I, I hate to make this in such a time possession game, but it really comes down to because I think like, I don't want to use generic terms, but they really have to avoid third long because one of my biggest concerns with Mariota is just his, his tendency to launch the ball for too long. And he doesn't always make the smartest play when it comes to whether it's protecting the ball or throwing to coverage. Like it's just try to avoid those third longs and allow Arthur Smith to you know, utilize those bootlegs legs that he was using in the preseason. You know, get Mariota on move, you know, force the Saints defense to. Go you know, get off their spots and make them uncomfortable. It's just, ultimately, like, first and second down, like, just put yourself in ad- advantageous positions because I just think if this becomes a third and long type game, that plays right into the same stands, and then they're yeah. going to get more time possession, they're going to dial up those blitzes, and, you know, they could, you know, rattle Kyle Pitts where they can put multiple defenders on them, and then you're really putting pressure on your receivers to win the one-on-one matchups when you get to convert on third ten. So the biggest thing for the Falcons is, is you know, don't get away from the run. Try to get Cordell Patterson as uh active as possible. You know, get him on a couple screens, utilize him as a receiver, create those mismatches. But mo- most importantly, I think the Falcons are going to win. You just have to avoid throwing long because I just think that's where the Saints' defense eats.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like even if you're not finding a lot of success on the ground, like supplement that with the with the short passing game. Like hit mm-hmm. those dump offs, hit those running back screens. You know, Avery Williams is going to be active. Like this is a guy that I think they have a role for in the passing game as a passing game focused running back. Um, you is can see this year's we pay
0: Franks or <laughs> Maybe, Franks hopefully this better. Year. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully
1: better than last year. Um, yeah, I, I think that they, they want someone to play the Mike Davis role. Like Mike Davis sort of became like their de facto, like short yardage receiver last year. I think he caught almost like 50 passes. I think, oh, wow! Did not yeah, he caught so many, pa- he was like their third highest targeted player or something like that. Um, they want someone to dump the ball off to to supplement the run game if it's not working, and I think it could be obviously Quintero Patterson, uh, but I think Damian Williams has a legit chance of or not, Avery Williams. There's a lot of Williamses in the in the running back mm-hmm. room. Um, I think Avery, Avery Williams could be that that guy. So Damian does line. have the experience, though. He does, yeah. Think, Damian's gonna be at, at, like yeah. gonna be involved. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, change yeah, of pace guy as
0: well. So yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I think their running back depth is pretty good, mm-hmm. like better than last year. Um, I think all three of their runners are trustworthy and i think you know we'll see something from avery williams maybe in the passing game um but yeah i i i'm still i'm, I'm going with the kiss of death by predicting the saints like because that's what i did last year and, and it ended up working in that one game so I, I will predict the saints to win this one in a very close game and hopefully just doom them uh with my kiss of death uh what who do you got in this one alan
0: are we giving a score
1: Sure, go ahead. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to go Saints 23-16. I'm, I'm pretty high on the Saints going to the year. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Like, I'm looking at the NFC. NFC is, wow, I haven't seen the NFC this week as a conference in over a decade. But I do like that, even though the Saints are in, like, rough-shaped capitalized. they have built a pretty good roster. And I still think the Falcons, as we know, are a work in progress. But I, I do think it will be a close game. I could see both teams forcing multiple turnovers. It could become a little bit of a slot fest. Where it ultimately just comes down, to who's going to make the more explosive plays And, a fourth I can see Camara being the difference maker.
1: Yeah, I I have something similar. I think I'll go like Saints twenty four, Falcons twenty. I do think it'll be close. Um, I think it might it might be that we're into the final minutes of the game and it's like twenty one to twenty, um, and the Saints just you know create a little bit of extra space with that field goal and the Falcons have a chance to, to win it at the end but it's gonna be tough so I think it'll come down to something like that the Falcons have a chance to win it with a touchdown and they just have to execute that drive and if they can they'll win and if they can't then be you know week one loss but I think they'll have an opportunity to win which is something we haven't seen in week one in at least three years like usually by the end of week one all of the previous years it's been like oh wow we're down like three scores uh <laughs> This is it, re- so it re- yeah. really
0: has been since 2018 yeah. like 2019 i thought was the bleakest 2020 was much better and then last year you got no words for last year yeah, so, yeah. I-, I do think it would be so falcons if the game ends with uh tyron matthew interception to like see the other one it would just be pick two so... oh, it'd just be like, they'll, be- they'll go for the two the point to win yeah because uh, uh, even though he's going for down year you just know being back home He's always been a ball hawker. You just have a feeling Tyron Matthew might do something.
1: Yeah, I think they've lost a lot at safety. I think Tyron Matthew will, will be a good pickup for them. Mm-hmm. The, I, think the other, I think the questions elsewhere are much bigger concerns for them, like Absolutely. slot, the other safety spot, the other corner spot. So we'll see. I, I do think the Falcons are going to play better than people think in this one. Um, it's a very
0: intriguing matchup. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's the first time since, what, 2005? that there's no Sean Payton or Matt Ryan. Like it's been such a long time. So like both teams are kind of in a new era, but uh, there's a lot of exciting young talent, a lot of intriguing pieces. And I think it's just two teams that are still kind of finding their way given. I think both have pretty active all seasons, So, you know, I think, I think the timing is pretty cool that these teams are playing against each other.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm not a betting man, but if you're really high on the Falcons, the odds are pretty good. Uh, I think, to make some money on it if you're confident. Now, I wouldn't say, like, better life savings or anything, but the Falcons are plus 200 right now at home. Looking out for the people. Yeah, yeah. The Falcons are plus 200 on straight money line right now at home in week one against a division rival. I think that's pretty good odds if you're feeling good in the Falcons. Like, you can double your money on a small bet if they win. So, I don't bet but I think that one's actually tempting because mm-hmm. I do think that it's week one. People are probably overvaluing the saints. There's a lot of injured players. Like if you're going to do it, do it now before they rule out like Paul a and some of these other guys yeah. that might get ruled out. Um, and uh, you know, you maybe maybe you can make some money, maybe not. But you know, this yeah. is not financial advice. This is just you know, I looked at, I had to write our picks article, so I saw the odds, and I was like, that's tempting. So you know, there you go. That's-
0: this is strategic football advice.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. This is you know, we're we're just looking at the numbers and just you know, talking. So uh-huh. yeah. don't don't get confused. Yeah. But, Alan, this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it uh, over the rest of the season. Uh, guys, he is Alan Sterk at Alan, no underscore Sterk. I will fix that by next week, I promise. Thank I'm gonna you. Fix it. I'm going to fix it right after the show, so don't forget. Um, okay. Alan, I know you, you wanted to plug some stuff that you're working on, so let the people know.
0: Yeah, uh, I have a piece coming out called Franchise Cornerstones where I'm looking at which Falcon players could have merged. Like I thought last year Kyle Pitts, AJ Terrell, Chris Lindstrom became players that this franchise could build around. So, I kind of looked at the next crop of players that I believe I put the list of five. I'm not going to name the players, read the article. But I did like a big breakdown of which five players could become those players. Because ultimately, this year, Falcons roster, it's like we're looking for these next crop of players who are the guys that they could build around the next two, three, potentially five years. So, I did that. And, uh, you know, my company, OSC, they're telling me, all right, you do a lot of podcasts. Can you start promoting rap them? So I got, I got to get in the groove with this. <laughs> so, yes, download the OSC app. You can listen to this fine podcast and the rest of the Falcons uh, audio content on the app. All you got to do is download it. I am one of the main managers for the app, so it would be greatly appreciated. And, uh, yeah, we're just we're cranking up. It's that time of year. I know you have a lot of good stuff. The team's got a lot of great stuff. So, uh, you know, getting back in that weekly grind. Uh, I don't have, like, a set. Schedule when it comes to like what articles are coming out on a weekly basis. I'm kind of just uh, to to get a creative ideas. I think that's the best way I work, but yeah. of course, you know, we'll do some collaborations. I'm definitely going to bring back the mailbag. Uh, no, gonna, I keep calling the it mailbag, it's not mailbag, it's <laughs> it's a writer's roundtable. I don't know why I called the mailbag writer's roundtable. We'll be coming back. You helped me a lot with the last year, which I greatly appreciate. I'm definitely yeah. bringing you back to that. So, yeah, be on look lookout for that,
1: absolutely, guys. Lots of good stuff coming from Alan. Alan's like the long form king, so. Mm-hmm. I think it works best, like, if you just sort of pick what's interesting and then write it. Because if you're, like, locked into a topic every week, it can get stale. But I think if you sort of go into it more freeform, I think that tends to produce better content. But, you know, it's just me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Maybe. maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm Kevin Knight. I have alcoholic Kevin. I will have stuff, like, literally every day of the week. I will be doing more of a a, uh, production-focused role this year because of the four shows. Uh, but I will still have plenty of written content coming as well, so you can look for that. Uh, And our new schedule here on the Falcoholic Live slash Falcoholic Podcast uh, will be this show on Fridays, which I'm sure you're listening to now, so thank you. Uh, We will have a post-game show immediately following the game on Falcoholic Live on YouTube. We will have a film recap on uh, probably coming out Tuesday, uh, so you can look for that on everything as well. And then, of course, our live show on wednesday at the usual time 8 p.m eastern uh if you don't mind uh giving us a like and subscribe on youtube if you're watching there uh or just sharing stuff letting everyone know about the the great podcast you listen to you know concerning the falcons um you know if you don't like it you know then you don't have to say anything. You know, what'd your mom tell you? You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Do whatever you want, but we do appreciate Look at that. everyone Life wisdom. In. Yeah, there you go. Uh no, we do appreciate everyone for tuning in and watching. Um, really looking forward to the season. Hopes are high. Uh, and we got real Falcons football coming in just a few days. So, guys, thank you so much for myself, for Alan. We will see you guys next week. Have a great day, folks.